Welcome to On Air, a podcast by Fempelab. We host bi-weekly discussions with inspiring founders and professionals from all around the world to talk about their journey, aspirations, and the power of connection. My name is Clara, and I'm the co-founder of Fempelab, a career development platform for women. My today's guest is Pavla Lokarová. She is a solo planner, journalist, founding member of a company Future Farm, and a new mother to twins. Her passion lies in telling the stories of our time. From student journalist to content creator to co-founder of Czech employer branding platform, Pavla has interviewed over 400 CEOs and covered culture in more than 300 companies. With Pavla, we talked about the importance of being true to yourself, allowing your priorities to change along the way, combining her multiple projects while becoming a mother, and much more. Hi, Pavla. Hi, Clary. I'm so happy to have you today on this episode. How are Me you? Me too. <laughs> Me too. I'm fine. I'm fine. The babies are gone. The room is quiet. The flat is quiet. So I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Pavla, to start this episode, I would like to ask an obligatory question that I ask all of our guests. And that is, uh, when you were a kid, what did you want to do when you grow up? Yeah, so in my case, it was pretty straightforward. I've mm-hmm. always wanted to be a journalist, which is what I do now. And well, it was straightforward, but it, it really took me time to give myself permission. And I remember when I when I was growing up, I was watching a lot of travel documentaries with my dad. And I was just like seeing these mostly guys, but also women just travel the world and listening to stories and even the movies about war journalists and stuff i was just like i was mesmerized and this is what i wanted to do so it was your childhood dream you also then went on to study journalism you sticked with that profession for a few years uh then for some time you covered mainly business stories and company cultures for about eight years and now you seem to slowly find your way back to the new approach to journalism can you tell us a little bit more about that story? Yeah, so um, so with me and journalism, it was, and also I said that it took me time to give myself permission. So I also grew up uh, reading a lot. And I was, I was that kid, I was just in my bedroom reading, you know, reading uh, novels, reading books. And what I thought is uh, that most of the, like most of the stories worth telling were already set. I thought that the most exciting times are like, you know, like they are, we are now living in a world that is solved. There is nothing exciting going on anymore. And I was just envying in a good way, I guess, all these great writers that could just tell the stories of their time, of the Second World War or of the times changing and, you know, to, have a legacy for times to come and yeah so i i did go to study journalism and i also uh, did a lot of internships i didn't like work in a traditional newsroom because whenever i tried i just didn't because i felt i didn't belong i didn't fit i didn't like the stories they made us cover you know like it was negative or it was just so petty, you know, like two neighbors fighting over chicken running over the fence or whatever. And I didn't, so I didn't like the stories they made us cover. And I didn't like how they, 
were told these stories. You know, I didn't like the language. It just didn't, I didn't feel like I would be authentic to myself. So I, I was like back and forth with journalism. And what I thought is that I can't be a writer because everything good was already written. And I can't be a journalist uh, because I, I just like, I don't fit. So I went on to be a copywriter, actually. There was, uh, there was three years of, of my life where I worked in agencies and it was like, I called it a plan B. And at the end of those, so I was still at school and I was, I was working as a copywriter. And at the end of those three years, I was, I was like, I was burned out. And I told myself like, okay, I tried this plan B and I thought I would succeed because everything else, you know, was out of, the, like, I didn't see any, any more options at that time. I wasn't looking in the right places. And I just realized this, this plan B is not working. So I might as well go for the plan A. And so I went freelance. I um, also before that, I was already kind of playing with the emerging business slash startup stories that were, uh, there was a lot of emerging online, uh, online journals and online magazines. So I was already doing some of the work, uh, mostly unpaid. At the time, I was uh, I was ready. I was just ready to go for it, and it didn't take long. When I was when I made the decision, I met a person who a founder of a media startup for uh, what essentially became employer branding platform for uh, for companies to showcase their company culture. It was a lot about business. It was a lot about sales. I was the first person to join the team. So I joined the founder, basically. I was not a, a founder myself. But in the, like, in the journey, I, uh, I think it was two years in, I became a co-owner of the company. And basically, it was at the beginning, it was the two of us, but then it was more of us and more of us. And I loved it. It was hard also, uh, but I loved it. It was a bumpy ride. I learned a lot. I learned a ton. And it felt like I came back to journalism, but also at the end of those four years, I just felt like a chapter was closing and that it was interesting to cover all that, to cover startups, cover businesses. I learned so much from tech to, I don't even know, like so mm -hmm. many, so many things. And I was just ready to, like I knew that there was something out there and that I could do meaningful journalism and not that this wasn't meaningful, but at that time I was already kind of tired because it was like four years prior playing with it and then four years like full-on business journalism or business content creation. So yeah, so I went on to, just like I made the leap I still, even, even now, I have my revenue from content creation uh, and on the side I am just learning and exploring and I am, I'm talking to people from different, like I discovered that when I, when I was ready, I just saw, like I started to look in the right places and I saw that there is like all these innovative movements and approaches to journalism from slow journalism, which like, I mean, I love it, to unbreaking news to solutions journalism, conscious journalism, like there's contextual journalism. And so I was just, I started reaching out to people and visiting newsrooms, if I could. I mean, if they are, if they are based overseas, I, I didn't yet, but I'm planning on. Um, yeah, I, I also became a mentee. So I joined a year uh, program in solutions journalism. So all this, 
and yeah it's been a journey ever since amazing all right so where do you find yourself at this very moment so that the listeners have a picture of that yeah so you know what i struggle with this for some time so it's been three years since i um since i left the media startup and i i guess I, i i i had some sort of like identity crisis in a sense that i didn't know who i was how to think of myself i wasn't a freelance journalist i wasn't uh, a co-founder because also uh in the meantime i co-founded a company which i guess we will also talk about later um i wasn't a content creator purely i wasn't you know like i i, did, I didn't know i thought all these things kind of like were against each other so i i i felt like i didn't have my fit again and what clicked in the last year was that i just realized that now i think of myself as a solo entrepreneur who um you know is like a writer essentially who has a couple of core projects that i belong to that i'm devoted to and i just like i, I guess i gave myself permission to do more things than one and wear more hats than one but it doesn't feel like a fraud it doesn't feel like i'm sitting on more chairs than i can so as 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 of now i so my main revenue still comes from working with companies or individuals uh and working around uh company storytelling or personal branding personal storytelling uh this is something i really like and this is something i, I really uh, i really enjoy so i'm i'm like super happy that this is actually also what brings me money uh also because i am a mom now a parent uh i i kind of like i guess i i took the easy way in a sense that i do content creation so i write a blog for one of my old clients uh they are e-commerce company uh tech tech/e-commerce company uh so this is what i do like i guess this is a priority because my time is limited i mean everyone's time is limited mm. um i'm also a co-founder of um a project a company that's called future farm uh we are uh we are a company that is striving to provide understanding and tools for entrepreneurs to uh, kind of navigate uh, this journey with their mental health and emotional resilience in check it stems from our own personal experiences we are three mm-hmm. co-founders this is a passion project of mine as well and the third thing would be as i as i talked about the many types of journalisms so i i would say that i am currently mapping what's out there and i gave it a name it's called narratives.co and it's basically my odyssey to find yeah to find more about journalism and where it's headed so yeah i guess three things awesome and being a mom of two beautiful twins uh since 8 months ago How did that change you you and your approach to your professional life to all the projects you've been working on to your role at Future Farm? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's crazy it's 8 months <laughs> also. <laughs> um, you know, it like in a way 
it didn't change anything because I had a clarity before I, I knew the direction and I knew the steps. But that being said, it also changed everything fundamentally. Like I, uh, I think that like, I can talk about this, I guess, for <laughs> like much more than this podcast. Mm-hmm. But I would say that the biggest thing was it came, especially after birth, I think it's, it's like it's something biological, like you just have this massive intuition, like it's so strong, you can't really bullshit yourself. And like, not that I was like consciously bullshitting myself before, but I just realized I was doing a lot of things because I thought I wanted to do them or they were like status related. And I, I really thought I was conscious about it because I also went through therapy. And so I, I like was deconstructing a lot of my old mm. beliefs. But with this, like with the, the first months, and even since then, uh, I, I guess it, I guess all this, like, can be ranked. Um, it, it's more authenticity, I guess. Like, if if we are looking for one word, so I would say I'm more authentic in my approach to work, and I just realized, and it, it really, uh, it had an impact on the future farm because when we started, we we were three co-founders. And we basically, we decided to build a company before I got pregnant, but legally we became a company, I guess like the the very week or two weeks when I I found out I was pregnant. So for me, it's kind of like intertwined. Uh, That's my part of the story, not my Mm -hmm. co-founders. But I was going to be much more involved. Like we were going to be, you know, the CEO, my my co-founder and CEO, Vladi, Vladi Bristenska, she came up with the idea, like she was the driver of everything. And I was going to be the, like we were going to do this together. And the third person, Nadim, um, at the beginning was not going to be that much involved, but that obviously changed also with, you know, my time being limited. But throughout this process, I just realized that, yeah, and I'm very thankful for that, that I, I don't really want to be that much involved in the sense of, like, I don't want to be on any executive position. I don't want to be on a C-level position. Um, the way I envisioned it first when we started out, and it's still, like, it was still in my head even after I gave birth. It was just, like, it was just very apparent then that it's it's not anymore what I want. But I, I just had this vision of myself, like, building this cool new company and sustainable company and like very consciously like very conscious company um having this team you know like buzzing and i just realized that it's not what i wanted anymore it was so hard it was so hard really because i i had this vision of myself since i was a I, since i was a child really as well and I also have to give them credit, my co-founders, like they, like the conversations that we had were hard. It was super hard on, on all ends, but they were just so kind also and, and human. And they were the ones that actually called me out on, on that. Uh, I guess it would take me much more, much longer. Although I knew, I really felt it like I didn't want to do it. Um, I realized I just wanted to have much more supporting role, much less, um, yeah, like much less leadership driven position. Uh, but they were the ones that came to me and started this process. And first I was fighting. I was like, no, you guys, I can do this. <laughs> and inside I just knew, I knew like, what are you fighting for? Like, you don't really want this. Like, these guys are right. But there was ego. <laughs> mm. 
I think that's a very common thing, honestly, that uh, we see all those successful people, we see um, leaders, we see founders, we feel like we want to be one of them. And, and as you say, many times it's just like a social pressure, you know, like when my mom asked me for babies, it's very similar. Like, when do you start your, when do you start yeah. your own company? So uh, it's awesome that you uh, found a way to be true to yourself. And I guess I'm still, I guess I'm still finding that way. Also, of I have course, to say, <laughs> it's still like letting go of that was just so hard. And I'm, I mean, right now, I am still finding my position in the future farm. I know it will change. Also, when I guess time is more at my disposal. But I, yeah, like right now, I I have some, like I have I have a supporting role, and I just like we are we are like we are all finding a click, and they are super patient with me, and I'm super patient with the process. Uh, but yes, yes, mm. it was, it was, for a long time, it was so hard for me to talk about it. Everyone was asking me, you know, like, oh, you just became a mom and you have this company. I mean, you are killing it. And I was like, but I'm like, I'm killing myself, maybe. <laughs> If I were doing all these things full on, I would just be killing myself. But I, it was just so, I didn't know. Everyone was asking, well, how's Future Farm? And it was very vague. Always like, oh, we are like, things are changing. We are like, yeah, finding a way. Mm. Yeah, you are totally it right. It's, it's a process. Uh, of course, like we're never, you know, already in the point that we have everything figured out but this is like really a big turning point like realizing what you don't want to do and i would like to ask you if like coming out of this if there are any tips you can provide us for giving away our egos and and trying to find our <laughs> true desire not the one that we were <laughs> somehow programmed to to aspire for Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you mentioned social pressure or peer pressure, and it's huge. Like, I mean, it's super huge. Uh, but it also comes from us. Um, at least in my, I think in my in my case, it was more like I thought I was letting myself down. And at some point, I even felt like I was not ready to have these conversations. But I, I, I actually was like I, I already knew. Um, So I would say, I can only speak from my own experience. And so it would be to have people around you who, you know, like who get you and who also call you out on things. And that was really, it was really fundamental in that whole, in that whole change. And I also, I, I remember I reached out to a couple of friends and I asked them for their experiences because I remember that Like I just remember their stories and they had something similar going on. So I would say maybe look for, um, look for similar stories, uh, look for some, like either someone that went through or, I mean, anytime I don't know something, I just go and try to Google it. Like if that's a thing, if that exists, if my feelings are valid, you know, if anyone else feels the same way. So I, yeah, I also reached out to other people who I remembered went through something similar. Uh, so I, did, I didn't feel like once I knew their stories, I just, I saw, um, like I, I saw a common thread, I guess. And then it was easier and 
I was like, okay, so this person who is now, like I see her as like this kicking ass woman also went through the same thing. Okay, so I can, like, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. If that's helpful. Yeah. So like what I hear is that you, one, were surrounded luckily by people who, who knew you and who were able to give you this mirror and say like, okay, so Pavla, like, is this what you really want? And then made you think. And the other, uh, other tip is to get surrounded by people with like similar milestones in life, maybe, or similar background to see that you're not alone in that. Yeah. And sometimes you don't have those people. Like you really have to try to go out there and search and I guess really Google or just like <laughs> find podcasts. And, and this is the way like my co-founders now they are kicking ass. They are like, they are launching podcasts. They are, they are doing a lot of things and I'm just like, I'm super grateful for them. Yeah. But it's not, I would also say it's still a process because it's not easy for me. Maybe it's like in general, it's not hard for other people, but it's not easy for me. To, I still compare the, I guess, the productivity and the, like how much driven they are and how little I am able to chip in at this point. And on the other hand, I'm, I'm just like, I'm super excited with everything, like every milestone of the future farm and like things are moving and we are gaining momentum. But I do tend to compare how much less I do at this point. So it's also like very much a dynamic process that I'm going through. Mm. I get it. But I, I would bet that they feel very similarly to myself that like you chip in, like, you know, that's amazing. Like you have twins <laughs> right now and you're also, <laughs> there making... too. <laughs> there too. Yeah. And, and you're also writing content. And I mean, I we, guess, we tend to be really harsh on ourselves and I, and I get it. That's just the, the vibe of, of today's world. Like we, yeah, we have a lot of expectations from ourselves, I guess. Mm -hmm. True. Speaking of expectations, uh, which are sometimes connected to uh, accomplishments or, or failures, sort of. Uh, what are some of those? It can be a failure or an accomplishment <laughs> that, you, uh, that you remember well and that is, you know, that um, was maybe like the hardest challenge you, you overcame. I love that you were like, okay, we're looking for a failure or accomplishment. I, I mean, I guess also overcoming a failure is, is a huge accomplishment. Like what first came to mind when you said that is when I, when I left the media startup, I felt like such a loser. Like I felt like I've done this amazing thing, but I'm like, I'm leaving because I, I, I couldn't, you know, like the main reason that I left was that I was going to do meaningful journalism like I felt it was time like I couldn't really wait anymore but the second thing is that me and my co-founders at the time we couldn't agree on the direction so I felt like business-wise I just failed like I did I, I couldn't let them see what I saw um, so also overcoming that and kind of accepting it as part of my story it was it was like super hard uh, what else comes to mind is think like one of the things that I'm really proud of because it makes my life so much easier is that I used to think that being a creative person and being an entrepreneurial person are just like 
two complete opposites. Like you, you, you can be either one, but you can be super creative, but then you have no place in business. And like, I, that's how I felt for, uh, how I felt like most of my, tw- or all my 20s. <laughs> and when you're entrepreneur, like you can't be creative or like, I guess, yeah, that's, that's what I thought. And I just, uh, it, at some point it just like blended and I overcame this, this limited belief. And I, since then I, like, it's like very much intertwined. I, I didn't know why I ever thought so. Mm. Uh, so th- this is, this is a thing. And also like, is, uh, does it have to be professional or? Not at all. So I'm just thinking that what I'm, I think what's my greatest accomplishment in life by like, up until now, is that I allowed myself, although I never thought that I was the person that created family, but once it kind of became apparent, like I was at this cacao ceremony, uh, this like, we were like drinking this hot cocoa and, and I don't know, like meditating and stuff. And it just became so clear that I wanted the family. And so since then it's, I, I had to be honest with myself and I realized that I, can do what I want to do in the world, like professionally, business-wise, career-wise, without a family, but I wouldn't be fulfilled. So it was hard. It was so hard for me to allow that because I, I thought that family slows you down. It's so crazy. <laughs> I don't know why I ever thought that. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, having my partner and now the babies, it's, it sounds like a cliche, but it's a big thing for me. That's wonderful. All right. Uh, Pava, I would like to ask you about your usual day. <laughs> I Do you want to know? <laughs> I don't know if we all want to imagine that, but can you, can you tell us a little bit, little oh bit more God. about how does your usual day look like? Um, yeah, so I mostly work in the evenings. That's when they sleep which they didn't when they were born they were just up 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 but i i figured that it doesn't take long like it takes a couple of weeks and then babies sleep a lot during the night which is awesome um so i I work in the evenings i'm a morning person so it took a lot of adjustment but also i am just like so happy and thankful that i have this space so i kind of like i made myself switch anyway it took some coffee in the evening at the beginning, but I, I think I'm like, it's, it's like, it's done. So I'm the evening person now. Uh, we used to, my partner used to take the babies for the weekend. So I used to have like four hours on a Saturday, four hours on a Sunday. Now we are still sort of social distancing. So that went out the window, but I still managed to do things in the evenings. Sometimes they... So, you know, like they wake up in the morning and they play and eat and blah, 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 and they go for a nap. And so during that nap, I was also able to do quite a lot. Um, When they are up, I try to, unless I have a call, uh, I try to be with them or I try to be kind of just like mentally there, even if I'm not with them, but I try not to open my computer, which is not always what I succeed to do, but I try. Uh, what I want to say is that at the beginning, when they slept in during the day, I just I got a lot of work done and I didn't have to work in the evenings that much. And then when like if they woke up or if they because they are twins, uh, they are not always synchronized. It depends on a day. So sometimes 
most of the time they sleep at the same time but sometimes you know one wakes up and the other one wants to sleep and it's like constant so i was so mad at these days uh at them you know for not allowing me to to work and i was like i don't want to be like i don't want to live my days like that i don't want to be mad at them so yeah i don't expect them to allow me to work during the day if they do it's a nice bonus mm. yeah so that's awesome. my day i i also go for a two-hour walk every day that's my sanity <laughs> mental health um mm-hmm. tool that i yeah that i have awesome i wanted to ask you that so is there anything else that's your like that's your ritual that you try to squeeze in every day or every week that that allows you to stay sane and healthy? Um, the works are huge. I love them. Uh, and then, like most of the things I used to do, are still I still do them. Although I like I can't do them on the same sometimes in the same way or on the same basis so instead of journaling every morning i journal twice a week for example instead of meditating every morning i meditate once twice a week um i still do yoga every other day they love it like (laughs) babies and yoga there's something about it um those are coffee is it is it a tool (laughs) Totally. It's a ritual, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say those things. If you really taste it and smell it, then it's a different oh my ritual. Yes. <laughs> yes, awesome. Yes, yes. Um, one more question. Um, you are two parents. So how does your partner support you in allowing you to have your own space and, and do, do the things you love? I mean, I mean work, walk, everything. Yeah, it's, I mean, and it's completely a question in place. I would love to know from other parents as well. And it's like, it takes some extra logistics to support each other. It's like, even, like, even it's on me to support him and then on him to support me. And like by giving each other time, but also the space and, and the motivation as well. Um, time-wise, he as i said like he takes the babies for the weekends or when i'm like when i'm on a deadline he goes for a walk i usually don't allow him because i love the walk so much mm-hmm. so uh but yeah that's definitely that i would say I, i can go into details but i don't think that's really necessary i would say the the main thing is like i guess it's one of the advantages of having twins is like you are too full on moms kind of (laughs) not that like not that mom has to be a primary caregiver always but i mean mostly i guess it is so we are like two primary caregivers for for the babies Mm. i i can imagine if we only had one that i would kind of take more of the workload but since there are two and at the beginning like they they need you so much and they also they don't hold their heads like upright so you can't really like I couldn't you know like hold them both at the same time it was very stressful so when he was there it was just so like it was like done like you have one I have one mm-hmm. um now it's now it's much easier in terms of taking care of the babies but also they are very lively and so yeah we kind of like take shifts around them he's also working from home right now so it makes things easier Yeah. I don't know, like, if he listens to this, I hope he will agree. 
<laughs> I mean, those are the conversations we have. So yeah, based on that, that's my expectation. The next, <laughs> the next month. In the next months or years to come. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, Paula. Thank you for being so open. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, we discussed, you know, your journey, you being uh, a strong woman with a lot of passion and also with a lot of, you know, consciousness to, to realize what you really do want, what you don't want. But despite all your drive, uh, we rarely can do everything or all those crossroads on our own. And many times there are people helping us. Um, who is it or who was that for you? Yeah, uh, it's it's so interesting you ask this question. I, for a long time, I I thought that I didn't have all these great guides in my career that I didn't have. Like I heard from friends, like they had this boss who just like taught them everything, and they know now, and you know was sort of a mentor. And I never, I never had that. Uh, I thought so. I thought. Uh, I realized that first of all, I just really I wasn't actively looking for guidance at the beginning of my career, and second, I was just not giving enough credit to my coworkers, to people who really taught me a lot or who were there for me. So yeah, when I became much more conscious, I just realized that there are sort of guides everywhere. Like I have one for like sort of every area. Mm -hmm. If I don't, I just go and search that person. Um, to give an example, because this it's really vague. So to give an example, I am right now pitching uh, to magazines globally um, around some topics that, that I'm very passionate about and to like get my work published, to get my writing published. And since I've never done it, I you know like I want to have a professional with me. So I'm reaching out to my friend who's also a writer, a published author. She knows a lot in this space. So um, So for me... I mean, that's that, like either I turn out, I turn to someone or I, I search for a person. And also I think that the last eight months with the babies, it just really showed me that, I mean, people are there for you. Like I, I didn't expect this amount of like just help it, from everything from like time or advice, even like financial help. I, I can talk a lot about this, but also like the biggest takeaway, I guess, is the, the interconnectivity. It's the network. The, the network, yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So how how do you build your network? Um, I would say that I am still building my network. Of course, I mean, of course we are. <laughs> like in the, as the career advances, I don't know if it's true for you, but for me, in the different stages, I was just craving different kind of community. Like for example, at the university, it was this kind of global, culture-rich, intellectual group. Uh, in the media startup days, it was like these founders and and like startup community. Right now, I don't really have anyone from that network around me except for a few people who became very close friends. And I just became, to, like, I began to really crave to have more journalists around me. So that's like basically, that, I guess that's why I do the, uh, the journalism mapping project uh, for my own, um, you know, to kind of like fill that void, uh, that, that's mm -hmm. like that urge. Uh, and in the last year, 
uh, I really started to crave a community of entrepreneurs who are also parents mm -hmm. and who, uh, who kind of just like speak my language, who are like very like-minded. And I realized I didn't have anyone around or very few people. I mean, in, the, in, in that specific case, I, I was listening to podcasts a lot. And there was especially this one, it's called Startup Pregnant. Startup Pregnant. Um, it's very, like, for me, the name is unfortunate. I had different expectations when I heard it. I was like, no, it's going to be about, like, you have to kill it with your startup, like, and, and having a babies and you have to juggle. And, but it's, like, not that at all. It, mm -hmm. Like, the first second I heard the host, like, she... Like she had me in the like first minute of that first podcast I listened. Then I re-listened to all the four years of her podcasting, and like the narrative is just so, just so me really, and and so welcoming, and uh, just gives you this like huge relief that everything is sort of doable in your own way when you are entrepreneur and a parent. And so this year I joined her mastermind slash leadership program because uh, I realized if I want to network like if I want to go to certain places where I've never been to I just kind of have to do the step so I I'm currently getting to know 25 other women from all over the world it's been so fulfilling I guess the the, the network gives you so much from like contacts or like they can you know, like they can connect you with someone. But for me right now, it's mostly about being understood and being in a group of people where I don't have to explain. Totally. Uh, Pavla, you already mentioned or you gave us a sneak peek into what's, what, what you're planning, being that getting your work published in magazines with your project, narratives.co. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about it? What is next for you? What are you planning in, in this year? And where can we learn once that happens? Yeah, so if I start with that project, um, yeah, so right now I'm about to go out and because I've done so much, like the project is ready and it's filled with a lot of work, but I it, it doesn't have any visibility because I didn't really talk to people about it. I didn't do any um yeah just didn't put it out there so that's next for me i'm building a website um and yes that's gonna be out very soon uh in the future farm we are launching a podcast which is super exciting it's gonna be called naked podcast and we want to uh basically want to strip down stories of entrepreneurship and just tell the unplugged version of you know, not just the professional part, what happens when you're an entrepreneur, but what happens to you and to your wider community, to your spouse, like how, yeah, how you really live through that. And in terms of my, um, like my work with clients, I am currently onboarding second client, which is also exciting because it's like for, um, I guess I will test if I'm able to do more uh, workload at this mm. point. Uh, and every little step counts really. So I'm, I'm excited about all of those things. 
and also where, where can you learn uh, more about my stories. So I have a website, it's called pavlaloka.com, uh, pavlaloka with K. I'll add it in the description of our podcast together with your LinkedIn, if I may, for people to, to reach out to, to you if they, want to, if they want to talk to you in more depth. And Pavla, to close this, this lovely chat with you, I'd like to ask if there are any women from your surrounding that you admire and that you would like to give a shout out to in this, in this episode. Yeah, you know what? I just realized that in the whole network segment, I just I didn't mention how much I benefit from being part of the Femba Lab. <laughs> and <laughs> no, I don't honestly, hold it against you. <laughs> honestly, like I was I was really again I was craving this community of conscious entrepreneurs and, and I just found it and I was looking for it for a long time and I just like it was there under my nose in Prague. It, it was like yeah, it, it really, it gave me so much in the last two years, including one of my best friends. So thank you guys for that. And so I would love to give you a shout out for, and for doing this. Uh, and also I thought long and hard about this because um, I could like, I could go on and on. But to pick like one person, I would give a like huge shout out to my co-founder and the CEO, uh, Vladi Bristenska. She is uh, like, she's this powerhouse in the most, kind it's just like human way you can imagine this is the kind of leadership that i want to see more of so i'm just like happy that i can kind of be part of that and support that so vladi for sure wow okay thank you so much for sharing vladi is an amazing person we had her on one of our events for diversity and she was killing it so thank you for yeah shout out. i heard i heard <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i think like i'm asking this question just because i think we need to compliment more women and lift each other up all right pavla i thank you so much for your time thank you for making things work sending your partner you. and your babies for a long walk to discuss your life and your story and your work life with me Thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap. But the fun doesn't have to stop here. If you have any questions, guest suggestions or feedback, shoot us an email to podcast at fampala.com. To learn more about our community, head over right now to Fampalat Instagram or Facebook and get involved. Thank you for listening and join us in two weeks for the next episode of On Air podcast by Fampalat.